Hello, and welcome to Weddings Unveiled, a podcast for your wedding planning process. I'm your host, Leah Longbreak. We know how exciting and stressful playing the big day can be, and we're here to help, providing you with information and advice from industry insiders and those with firsthand experience. On today's episode, we have professional harpist, Courtney Kenya Young. She'll be sharing with us her experience as a wedding musician and what you should know when hiring one. Courtney, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Well, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell us how you decided to get into playing harp. Because, you know, kids growing up, they fall into saxophone, drums, the trumpet. But you never really hear harp. (laughs) No, you are exactly right. And it took a long time for me to convince my parents because they were just as shocked as anybody else when they heard somebody say, I want to play the harp. (laughs) I was six years old. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland, and as a first grader, they called all the students in the elementary school, which was at that time first grade through sixth grade, into the school auditorium. A little girl, I was sitting in the back. I didn't see much of what was happening because of all those kids in front of me, but I suddenly heard this beautiful sound, and I sat up on my knees and looked over all of the kids in front of me to see a small ensemble of musicians who came to our school to play. And there I saw for the first time a gigantic wooden instrument with what seemed like hundreds of strings. And the musicians took a break, introduced themselves and their instruments. And that day I learned that that beautiful sound I was listening to was the harp. So I went home that day and I told my mom, I want to play the harp. (laughs) And she laughed at me and she said, Courtney, no way. You want to play the piano. You want to be an ice skater. You want to do this. You want to do that. And she wasn't wrong. I did want to do everything that I saw. Everything was interesting and intriguing to a little girl like myself. And after weeks of asking and begging, I was sliding around the house on my socks one day and I stopped in front of her, put my hands on my hips, and I said, Mom, what are you doing about harp lessons? <laughs> she said, okay, okay, you must be serious. You've not stopped talking about it. We'll look into it. We explored every church, every school of music, every music shop that we could find to find anybody that knew of a harp, a harp teacher, or a harpist anywhere. And just as we were about to give up, my parents met somebody from Baldwin Wallace who connected my family with the preparatory music department there. And I started studying harp at the age of six and a half. And I had the same teacher and studied through the conservatory and um, Cleveland Institute from the time I was six until I was 18. And upon graduation, I furthered my education as a music major at Capital University Conservatory of Music in Columbus. And it was during my time there that doors really started to open, and I found opportunities writing and recording for full-length feature films, commercials. You might be familiar with The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I write harp soundtrack for those shows. So if you hear a harp on TV and it's produced by Warner Brothers or it's subsidiary Teletoons, it's something that I wrote (laughs) right in my living room here, not too far from Cleveland, and recorded downtown. So I've been really blessed with opportunities to write and create and take the harp outside of its typical genre of classical music. And I owe all of that to my teacher who had just moved to America from China 
when I started studying with her. And because she was a young teacher and I was such a little girl, they said, okay, Chalet, you can have Courtney. She's a little girl. She probably won't stick with it. But as it turns out, <laughs> it was my calling. And she is still to this day my idol. She taught me how to write. She taught me how to feel the music. And it was all through doing my homework of learning classical music and technique first. So I owe everything to her and to my parents for allowing me to explore this. My first harp counted for two Christmases and one birthday <laughs> because they are expensive. I'm glad that now at this point in my career, I'm still able to write and record, play for weddings, play gigs, and it's something I now get to share with my husband and children, which exposing them to music is the most important thing to me because that's what gave me the opportunity to find what I'm truly passionate about. And your passion just comes across. Oh, thank you. So you have all these amazing opportunities, like you said, the different soundtracks, and you do different gigs. When was your first wedding? How old were you? My first wedding was the summer before my seventh birthday. Oh, my gosh. Really? It's incredible, isn't it? I had been studying the harp for four months when my teacher said, well, Courtney has jumped to a two-year level, and my mom's shocked. (laughs) said, okay, so I guess this means we should explore purchasing a harp. What does this mean for her? We bumped lessons up from a 30-minute lesson once a week to an hour lesson twice a week. And that was when I started studying repertoire music for weddings. And I was just shy of seven when a family friend asked me to play a wedding for the first time. And I'll never forget my teacher saying, I don't know, it can be a tricky gig because Courtney, you can't just sit and play the way you're used to at home. You have to watch the bridesmaids walk down the aisle and know when to stop the music and when to start the music, know your dynamics. So you have to know when to play loud, to play over the guests who will be clapping and cheering and play quiet if it's during prayer or moment of silence. And I looked at my teacher and my mom and I said, I got this. This is music I can play in my sleep. (laughs) And sure enough, I got to put on a big fancy gown and sat on the far right side of the church, and I watched and counted all of those bridesmaids as they walked down the aisle. I mean, I remember it so crystal clear. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that stuck with me as a little kid was (laughs) that bride and groom handing me the shiniest $50 bill I had ever seen (laughs) for my work, and that was something that I held on to and cherished forever. So— Great memories, great opportunities. I mean, how lucky am I that somebody took a chance on an almost seven-year-old to play the harp for their wedding? Get to be part of their special day. Oh, yeah. And it's—with every single wedding I play, especially now as an adult, I can really appreciate what I am contributing to that day for people. So for couples that are interested in booking a harpist or uh, another musician, maybe have an acoustic guitarist or such— What's your advice for them when going through the process with the musician? I highly recommend that anyone looking to book live music for their big day really reflect on the vision they have for the day from beginning to end. The style of music that you choose kind of sets the tone from the second people come in to sit down while they're waiting for a ceremony to start all the way through to the last song at the reception. So I like to encourage people to do their homework, shop around, 
you'll find me and a handful of other harpists, and maybe harp isn't the the direction you want to go, so it is important to explore every other instrument too, or live band, quartet, you name it, so that you can really achieve your stylistic vision for the day. So you've been a part of hundreds of weddings at this point in your career. What do you think has been kind of like a repeat challenge that you know as couples doing that they haven't like really considered when it comes to the day? That's a great question. I think the greatest challenge that I see couples facing when booking a musician is truly not knowing what songs to pick. Mm. I've found that the happiest couples at the end of it all are typically the ones that say, I like classical music or I want pop upbeat, top 40. I want people to say, whoa, that harp has played a song that I heard on the ra- I hear on the radio. I had a bride just last year request all 70s rock. Oh. So they come to me with a genre and give me free reign. To me, as the creative professional, that's when I shine my best. And when I'm feeling the music because they give me the liberty to pick and choose within their genre, it tends to create a a special sort of sound from my end that usually ends up resonating with the guests even better because I feel the room out. Mm -hmm. I mean, my repertoire is, I could sit here and play for you, and I'd probably play for three weeks without taking a a break or a sip of water. (laughs) There's just that much music out there. Right. And the harp can play anything that a piano can play. I have 10 fingers. That's 10 instruments that I can put on each finger. So you name it, I can do it. So if you give me a genre or you give any live musician, live band, a genre or a stylistic idea and give them the freedom to choose within that, you will find that they can read the room. They can work together to develop your entirely custom playlist for your wedding. And if there's music or a song that is special to you, if you have your song, if you have something that your grandmother and your mother walked down the aisle to, that's just as important for us to know because when there's a song that we can give to you, it's like our gift to you on your day, that makes it even more special for us because having direction is something that we can then take and continue to work around. So that's why I really recommend just doing your research, know what you like, and YouTube is a great resource. You just, you type in music. You know who people are listening to a lot lately is the Bridgerton soundtrack because that's quartet and small ensembles playing pop music. You've got the Billie Eilish and Journey. (laughs) We can do all of that. So there's truly this, I mean, the sky is the limit when it comes to live musicians. So take advantage of that flexibility and talk with your fiance, partner, families. If anything is important to you, don't be afraid to speak up and say it. And if you don't know what you want, it's best, I think, just to talk about your vision, the direction you'd like the music to take, how you want people to feel, and then see what your musician recommends in return. No, that's a great tip. Thank you. That's so true. And, you know, live musicians bring—DJs are great. I love DJs, obviously. But there's something with musicians, too, that just—like being at a concert. Like, you get that— feeling. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, as a musician, being in control of everything from the tempo to the feel and the stylistic 
performance. We are really in complete control of the entire performance of a song from beginning to end. And I love being able to read a room and play music that adds to the day rather than takes from it. And it helps when I see who's there and what they're responding to. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. contracts and budget. What's Ooh, something yes. that couples need to be considering when going into that? Well, I think like everything these days, considering COVID, prices of everything have increased and musicians especially are struggling now more than ever. I can tell you that 2020 was the slowest. I mean, I didn't play a wedding all summer because of the pandemic and they've all now at this point rescheduled their weddings to 2021. And I find myself just like just like everyone I talk to, so much work, not enough me. How do I play fair? So I've honed in on my craft and there's only so much and so many of me and everybody has rescheduled their weddings to 2021. So my availability is tight and it's tough to get a musician, a venue, your floor, all vendors are probably into 2022 as well, I assume. Oh, I'm booked into 2023. Wow. And people are booking out further than ever. So the earlier you contact potential vendors, the more options you will have. And the sooner you reach out to them and, and contract with them as well, the prices will be locked in for that season. And that's equally as important because you just don't know how prices can fluctuate or increase as seasons progress. And we're seeing now more than ever that prices are doubling and tripling no matter what type of vendor you're looking to book, not even just for weddings, but for all events. What are some things in the contract to also consider? Is there time limits? Is there, you know, act of God? Absolutely. Like all these different clauses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. So in my contract, I include my most popular repertoire requests just to get some ideas flowing. And I also include all the basic information, name of the bride, name of the groom, any other important contacts like parents, coordinators, planners, maybe the uh, the phone number of the venue where the event is being held. And I also like to include package package options. And I like to do that because some people want me specifically to come in and just play the ceremony and leave. Mm -hmm. So bundled into that is travel and setup, unless it's outside of a 30-mile radius of Cleveland. And that's when I start charging travel. I don't surprise anyone with these fees, 
But when I've got the information back, the name, the date, the location, what type of ceremony it is. Just last weekend, actually, I played my first Catholic wedding. It was an hour and 20 minutes inside the church. That was probably my first Catholic wedding since probably 2017. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I made note of that in the contract because that wedding had me there an hour and 15 minutes, whereas most people getting married— at Botanical Gardens or Stan Hewitt Hall, their their wedding is like 15 to 20 minutes. Right. And there is a difference. So you can book a la carte <laughs> and have individual services, or you can bundle it all together. There's also like an extra fee for things you wouldn't think of like outside playing in inclement weather. Mm. If there is a, a plan B, meaning we've got you under a tent or we can move everything inside— there's no additional charge. Right. But if they're like, oh, it's just in my parents' backyard, this, we don't really have a plan B, I say no problem, but there's an additional charge so that I can be prepared to protect the instrument from the elements. Because instruments are not cheap. No. Especially a harp. <laughs> exactly. Like, this isn't about my hair. This yeah. is about this. I don't even know what it costs. Probably, well, I don't want to guess. This, so the, my, my starter harp, my very first harp was $6,000. A lot of people are curious about what these things cost. And my semi-concert grand that I travel with to gigs brand new is $28,000. Oh, and my gosh. the prices just jump up from there. When you start looking at the concert grands that you see in the orchestra or in studios, mm-hmm. the prices just continue to increase. And I, I will say the reason for that is because every harp in the entire world is handcrafted. There is no factory assembly line where these things are rolling out one by one. Every single harp is crafted by hand and carved out by people working tirelessly with meticulous detail to finish every last piece of the way an instrument sounds, looks, and performs. Thank you for giving us that insight. I know. I have always been curious, but you you know, you never really want to say, like, how much did you spend on that? Yeah. (laughs) It's incredible. You'd be surprised. People lately don't have much of a filter. And (laughs) I'm kind of here for it because if someone's curious, like I'm happy to share that information, especially if they've never seen one in person or up close before. And it's like, wow, you you don't realize a six foot two instrument is a six foot two instrument. And I'm I'm five foot two on a good tiny. So seeing a small person up next to it makes it look even bigger. <laughs> and I sit down and I pull the heart back. So, I mean, this thing, it dwarfs me. <laughs> and uh, it's an impressive instrument to look at with the gold leaf detailing and all of the woodwork. And like I said, each harp is one of a kind in its own way. And they're really impressive to see up close. And I'm happy to share all of the information in the world. I, I will tell you, the largest harp maker— in the world is not far from us in Chicago. So oh, wow. how lucky am I that it's just a five-hour drive to get to the get harp a new there. one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if I need to repair or if I want to go in to see any type of special concert that they have or even to explore new instruments. So I have to imagine you obviously have your instrument insured. Do yes. you have anything in your contracts or do you know of musicians keeping something in their contract that accounts for anything with insurance based off of if there's inclement weather and it ruins the instrument or... Absolutely. So having the harp under your homeowner's insurance covers all incidentals, at least in my case growing up. And there are also harp associations 
that you can be part of and pay a membership for, and that covers all insurance as well. And they're typically partnered with greater insurance companies to help protect you in case something tragic were to happen. Anytime that I have needed to capitalize on insurance for, I almost said an injury. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is for the instrument. (laughs) My poor harp. So we call the the top part of the harp the neck. In high school, the harp was knocked over on stage (gasps) during orchestra, and my harp broke her neck. (laughs) So I do say (laughs) harp injury. And it was entirely covered, which is great and expected. So it's hard to imagine how easily it is for how easy it is for something to knock the harp over because it is so tall, top heavy. You have a cat, you have kids, you have wind, uneven surfaces, even a car accident or Mm -hmm. somebody rear-ending. That is truly my greatest fear. It's for me it's to be driving rounded. Yep, on my way to a gig. So I, I'm like, pumping the brakes. You see me <laughs> slowing down here on the highway. <laughs> Harp on board. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sticker. That's what you need in the back of your car. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you're on your third kid. So I'm yes. sure have a baby on board and harp on board. Yes, yes. <laughs> Precious cargo. All first, yeah. <laughs> What's been the craziest experience that you've had being a part of someone's wedding. Oh, gosh. We could do an entire episode on this. (laughs) I will tell you about the craziest experience I just had two weekends ago. (laughs) I am driving to the border of Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. We're in the middle of nowhere. Leah, I'm telling you, this was 15 days ago. Okay. I didn't know what to expect. I thought, okay, I'm going out to a venue. It's Rural, it's it's all good. I've played you a venue, you name it. I'm no stranger to these things. <laughs> we had been driving three hours, and I pull up to the address, and my husband is with me. He likes to go on these. Well, he has no choice to, but to go on the road trips <laughs> with me. We pull into a farmhouse. I'm like, okay, maybe it's in somebody's backyard. I I can see that it's beautiful out here, and we don't see anybody anywhere that looks like they are going to a wedding. So then panic sets in, right? I've got the wrong address. I've got the wrong day. What what did I mess up? I'm going through my contract. And I rolled down the window and I said, hi, excuse me, I'm here to play the harp for a wedding. And the guy looks at me, turns around, has overalls on, takes off his cowboy hat and he says, hi, darling, you're gonna follow this dirt road about a mile and a half down. You're gonna go across the bridge And then turn right, and then you're going to see the tent. That's where you're going to be set up. (laughs) What? (laughs) Down a gravel road, driving through cornfields. Oh, my We didn't see a thing. No signs. Nothing. There was nothing. A horror movie would start playing in my head. (laughs) I have my cell phone out. I'm recording the whole thing. I was like, all right, Matt, we're documenting this. So (laughs) he's like, I just hope we don't get stuck. It had rained. Incredible rains the night before, so the mud, tires are spinning. I turn and I look to my right where I see (laughs) this giant tractor with a flatbed trailer behind it with old-school movie theater seats attached to it where they were transporting the guests from the parking lot to the ceremony. We pull up, everybody's in jeans, cowboy <laughs> boots, they're carrying their white claws, and there I sat on my pretty little pedestal oh my with gosh. my full-length sparkly gown, my six-foot-two classical <laughs> instrument amongst all these people that were there ready to mud wrestle and just get down and have a good 
time. It was incredible. And I didn't feel, I mean, I couldn't have felt more out of place, but I tell you what, that's one of those weddings and one of those ceremonies that I will remember forever. Right? Going through those cornfields and the soybean fields and driving around the barn and back all the way out <laughs> to a gravel road. And it, the street actually had a name. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but that's one of those things I'll never forget. Oh, watching that tractor drive the guests up as they all hopped off one by one. Oh. That's hilarious. I'm glad I have the photos and the videos to keep those memories alive. Any final piece of advice for couples? My final piece of advice for couples is to talk about and have your vision for the day. Every vendor you approach, be able to articulate that vision and let the professionals take it and run with it. I notice so many brides get so hung up on these tiny details, and it's okay to be detail-oriented, but only if it's contributing to and enhancing your day. If these details are making you crazy or you're losing sleep at night or it's tarnishing relationships with people, that's where we hear the term bridezilla, it's not worth it because truly, at the end of the day, all of those tiny details really only matter to you as the bride. And your guests, your bridal party, they're there to celebrate you. So all these little things that are so important to us. I I remember I planned a wedding, I know. And as somebody who has played thousands of weddings, I, I see and I feel what the people are there for. And all these little things are nice touches, But at the end of the day, they won't remember them the way you might. So they are important, but make sure you're enjoying the process and enjoying it with the people you're doing it with. I think that is far more important than getting hung up on any little thing because what's going to matter is the atmosphere, the food, (laughs) (laughs) and celebrating you. Final question. What is your all-time favorite wedding movie or movie that features a wedding? Ooh, my all-time favorite wedding movie is Bridesmaids. Uh. Give me a belly laugh. I mean, the puns in that movie, they hit the nail on the head with every personality type. And oh, let me tell you, I probably sit through more weddings watching a bridal party and people get their logistics and things figured out because I set up so early (laughs) and I tend to stay late. Just watching the dynamics, I just, I don't think the bridesmaids could have been more spot on and perfect with the personalities they brought in to showcase and bring light to situations that can arise with a bridal party. So that was an incredible movie and still one of my favorites. I love it. Such a good one. It is. Courtney, how can we get more information on you and your company? You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. The best way, I think, to find me on YouTube is just to type Courtney Harpist. I'm the first harpist contracted with Google and YouTube ever. And that thanks to college. (laughs) <laughs> Back when I was in school, that, that was it was brand new, and I was right on the cusp of that. So if you search Courtney Harpist pretty much anywhere, you'll find my information. My name is Courtney Kenya Young. So if you search Courtney Harpist on Instagram, you'll find Courtney Kenya Young Harpist, and you can contact me, message me any way you want through there, and then from there I'll get you my email address, and we can start talking logistics and details for your big day. 
And I'll also have all this information for you in the show notes. Beautiful, beautiful. Social media is the easiest and best way to find me. And if I can't play for you or I don't have the opportunity to play for you, hopefully some of my music can inspire you and give you ideas for when you are ready to find and book your wedding musicians and soundtrack for your big day. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to Weddings Unveiled. Make sure you follow the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And follow Weddings Unveiled on social media. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to executive producers David Moss and Gerardo Orlando, production director Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer Eric Holtnow. Don't forget to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.